0: Thank uh-huh. you. This is William Fink, and this is the Chris Segenia Open Forum Call. It is Monday, February 28, 2012. I'm sorry, 2011. 2012 will be here real soon, though, with the um, first two months of this year gone already. Seems like a heartbeat to me. Okay, I really didn't have a whole lot to talk about tonight. I, I didn't have much prepared. Um, LD, about 45 minutes ago, brought up... Um, a question about all Israel being saved. So I thought I'd throw together some notes. All Israel shall indeed be saved. You know, in um, in one Corinthians two fourteen, Paul describes the the way the natural man thinks and 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 the way the spirit of, of Yahweh. you know, which is contrary to the way the natural man thinks. That's just the way it is. We, in in our flesh think, oh, he could never be saved. He's wicked. He's evil. He did this and that, and he did that and this, and, and we don't know why he did those things, but we have to understand that they they um, but whether they're for good or for evil, they fit into the greater plan of God. Yahweh, our God, he is in control. We, we have free will. When we screw up, that's our choice to screw up. But He is going to drag us to where we're supposed to be, whether we like it or not. Look at Jonah, the prophet. Paul says at 1 Corinthians 2.14, Now the natural man does not accept that of the Spirit of Yahweh, for it is folly to him. And he is not able to know because it is inquired of spiritually. But the spiritual inquires into all things, meaning the spirit which we have in us. And it by no one is examined. And Paul asks a a, a rhetorical question, and it's a quote from the prophets. For who has known the mind of Yahweh? Who will instruct him? And he makes a, a flat and direct statement, and he says, but we have the perception of Christ. And yes, indeed, we do have the perception of Christ in the Gospels. A lot of us can think, oh, I know how God thinks. No, not if you don't read your Bible. Read your Bible, and we get... Glimpses of understanding as to how God thinks. Will all Israel be saved? I have several quotes from the prophets, from Jeremiah and Ezekiel. It's um. There's it probably a lot more than these, especially if we turn to Isaiah. I just pulled these off the, basically out of um, out of Bible works because they came to mind. So I searched for them and and pulled them up. I'm going to read Jeremiah. Chapter 50, verses 17 through 20. Israel is a scattered sheep. The lions have driven him away. First, the king of Assyria has devoured him. And last, this Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has broken his bones. Therefore, thus says Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will punish the king of Babylon and his land, as I have punished the king of Assyria. And I will bring Israel again to his habitation And he shall feed on Carmel and Bashan. And his soul shall be satisfied upon Mount Ephraim and Gilead. Talking allegorically. In those days and in that time. Usually that means that this is an end time prophecy, right? Sayeth Yahweh, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought for. And there shall be none. And the sins of Judah, and they shall not be found for i will pardon them whom i reserve or preserve and preservation is a matter of pro- of prophecy and it's guaranteed to the children of israel without exception jeremiah 33 verses 6 through 9 king james version behold i will bring it Health and cure, and I will cure them. But let me say that that word, you know, I have to bring this up. The Greek word pharmacus that we get pharmacy from. A pharmacon in Greek was a cure for an ailment, but it was also used to describe, and I could demonstrate this from the Liddell and Scott Greek English lexicon. Pharmacon was also used to describe someone whose life was given over for another. Christ is our only pharmacon, And I will cure them, and will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. And I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return. Not necessarily to Palestine. To return to Yahweh There's a difference. And will build them as at the first. And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity. Whereby they have sinned against me, and I will pardon all their iniquities whereby they have sinned and whereby they have transgressed against me. And it shall be to me, in name of joy, a praise and an honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear all the good that I do unto them. And they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and for all the prosperity that I procure unto it. Ezekiel. Chapter 37, verse 23. Neither shall they defile themselves any more with idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions, but I will save them out of all their dwelling places wherein they have sinned, and will cleanse them. So shall they be my people, and I will be their God. There are no <laughs> exceptions expressed in these scriptures, and many other scriptures in this vein can be cited that, that follow suit with this. There were no exceptions, and so Paul said, all Israel shall be preserved, Romans 11:26, teaching nothing which hadn't been uttered by Yahweh himself. Again, when Paul talks about the resurrection in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he makes no exclusions. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. Flee fornication. So we see we can repent even from fornication. Every error which perhaps a man may make is outside of the body, but he committing fornication for his own body, he fails. Right. You're disgracing yourself, and your descendants are forever broken. The type of fornication you've engaged in is race mixing. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit in you, which you have from Yahweh? When when we ask whether or not all Israel can be saved, we have to imagine whether Yahweh would truly destroy part of himself. Of course, he has the ability to do that. And on a judgment day, would that part of himself in us, would that part of us repent? Well, of course it would. And you are not your own. Indeed, you have been purchased for a price. So then, you honor Yahweh in your body. We don't own ourselves. He owns us. Can we imagine that he could lose something that he possesses? Can he truly do that? Would he truly do that? Is it possible for God to lose his people when he died to buy them back? After they sold themselves to their idols. 1 Corinthians 5:9 I had written to you in a letter not to associate with fornicators not at all with the fornicators of this society we know who they are or with the covetous or rapacious or idolaters seeing that you are therefore obliged to come out from the society but presently I have written to you not to associate with any brother If he is being designated a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or abusive, or a drunken, or rapacious, not even to eat with such a wretch. What is it to me to judge those outside? Not at all should you judge those within you, but those outside. Yahweh judges, you will expel the wicked from amongst yourselves. So all Israel will be saved but those of us who are wicked, we can't accept. We have to put those people out of our company, um, absolutely. And and that's not just out of the church on Sunday, right? That that's out of our company. And and Paul explains that by putting somebody outside of the body of Christ, outside of our company, what that does is. Yahweh uses his enemies to destroy and to chastise those of us who are sinners, or those of us who are not of right mind. And Paul explains that the body should be destroyed. Why? So that the spirit could be preserved in the day of Christ. In other words, after these bodies are destroyed, those, no matter what kind of sinners we are, that spirit will still survive unto the judgment day. And I'll get back to that idea in a minute. Revelation 18.14 says, And I heard another voice from out of heaven saying, You come out of her, my people, that you should not partake in her errors, and that you would not receive from all of her wounds. We pray for full and healthy lives if we choose to serve God. 2 Corinthians 6.11, Our mouths have been opened to you, Corinthians, our hearts enlarged. You are not straightened by us, but you are straightened in your own affections. We afflict ourselves. Now for that same reward, as if to children I speak, you also be enlarged. Do not become yoked together with untrustworthy aliens. For what participation has justice and lawlessness, and what fellowship has light toward darkness, and what accord has Christ with Belial, or what share the faithful with the faithless. None, of course, those without the faith. And what agreement has a temple of Yahweh with idols? For you are a temple of the living Yahweh, just as Yahweh is head. I will dwell among them, and I will walk about, and I will be their God, and they will be my people, on which account, just as we saw in Revelation chapter 18, come out from the midst of them and be separated, and do not be joined to the impure, and I will admit you, and I will be to you for a father and you will be mine for sons and daughters we have to separate ourselves from the sinners and from the aliens here in 2 corinthians 6 11 through 14 paul is talking about through 18 paul is talking about the aliens people that don't have the faith in the first place 2 corinthians 7 1 therefore having these promises we must cleanse ourselves from every defilement of flesh and of spirit, accomplishing sanctity in the hour of Yahweh. That's what Christians do when they seek to please their God. They stop sinning even if they know they're going to be forgiven. That was a paradox in the first century. And, and the Judaizers did not understand that. And, and they accused the Christians and Paul discusses this in his letters, they accuse the Christians of promoting sin, knowing that forgiveness would follow, which which is ridiculous. The last thing we should do being awakened children of Yahweh is desire to sin. One Timothy five twenty four, this is the last verse I'm going to cite in, in, in this and, and maybe if somebody else wants to bring something up. In an in, in open forum, I, I would encourage you to do so. The errors of some men are manifest beforehand, going ahead to judgment. But others then follow after. In like, in like manner also are the good works manifest, and those being otherwise are not able to be concealed. You cannot hide your evil works. Men who are repentant, men who seek the way of Yahweh, even though we know that we can't, be a hundred percent perfect. None of us are going to be perfect. We're all going to fail at diverse times. But men who seek the word of the, the way of Yahweh and, and His Word and seek to follow it, those men send their sins, they profess them and send them ahead to the judgment. Men who refuse to admit their sins or who deny their sins. And don't seek the will of Yahweh. Those men, they will, <laughs> those men, their sins follow after. They will answer for those sins when they meet their maker. Okay, this is an open forum. I, I had to address that. It, it's um, All of Israel will certainly be saved. The entire Danic race will certainly be preserved. We may not all like where we're going to end up. But we will all be there. I don't think it will be comfortable for unrepentant sinners at the judgment when they stand in front of their maker, but they will certainly do that. This is an open forum. If anybody wants to talk, please um, right-click your name and and, um, request to talk, and I'll turn your microphone on. I don't have a whole lot more to say. I run my mouth too much as it is, and and, uh, I would appreciate your participation and feedback. That's what this is for. Both think you could turn your own microphone on. I will do it though. Hello, Mike. Hello, Bruce.
1: Hello. Praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh.
0: Yeah, you know, that's a topic, L D and you you would ask the original question. I could probably bring a whole lot more scripture out. If if you read those last twenty chapters of Isaiah, that, that follows the entire theme that um we've just seen here and, and um we have to understand that when an Israelite it's like the man who was blind from birth, right? The man who was blind from birth. the Pharisees thought that it had to be because of sin and and this is John chapter nine and and they um they tried to trap Christ and ask him on account of whose sin. Was it that the man was born blind from birth? His parents or, or, the, um, or the child himself? Well, of course, how could a child born blind have sin? And Christ said it's not for any sin. It's so that glory of God can be manifest. And, and we'll understand that on, on the day of, uh, of, of our resurrection and our restoration. We will understand why so many children died or, or why so many people suffered death diverse horrible events that that's we'll understand it then you'll all be made manifest then and when something horrible happens well well we shouldn't blame God for it that that's job we have to think of job um, Satan said to, to Yahweh to, um, to, to touch him or, or affect him with your hand lay your hand upon him and and he'll curse you to your face having lost everything he would have. So Yahweh challenged, took up Satan's challenge and said, well, go ahead. Just don't kill him. Job passed his trial and, and showed himself worthy because he lost everything he had and never blamed God. Now, if you read, understand that and read the things that Job's friends have to say, a lot of people think there's wisdom in what Job, Job's friends have to say. And, and that's quite the contrary. Job's friends are... In, are, are encouraging him to believe that he was unworthy of any punishment, that he was unworthy to lose anything, and and that he should blame God. And Job wouldn't go there. And and Job prevailed in his trial. And his friends, of course, they didn't, because their thinking was fleshly. Okay, is this a one-man show here tonight or what?
1: (laughs) Well, uh, R.C., uh, being an Anglo-Saxon, uh, a, a true-blooded white man or woman, uh, we our, that our seed was married always married to the Almighty, right? And, uh, and he died so that he could marry another, but it, only going to marry Israel. And, uh, no,
0: no, he died so that Israel could marry another, which is him, right? You, you got that a little backwards.
1: Oh, back up. Let's go over that again. I mean, yahweh in the flesh died
0: so that Israel could marry another which is which is the the arisen Christ right uh, i mean that 's the story but he 's the same yahweh well of, cor-
1: of not, course an- uh, of course not
0: It's not of course that 's part of that that 's another Christian paradox
1: and since we each one of us white men and women represent all of the white race just i I, I realize that today I heard you talking about well before about that revelation twelve uh, I don't know, four or three. three,
2: where it speaks
1: of the great, the red dragon, the old serpent. And uh, that was Herod killed the, our, our savior. And um, it's speaking of uh, the collective group of Edom Esau there, correct?
0: But, well, they're the ones that killed him. I mean, he, he was slain by the power of the dog, right? I mean, even yeah. though some, some good Israelites participated in that, it, it was the power of the adversary that actually affected it. Just like there's, yeah. there's many good Israelites participating in, in the slaying of Christ daily in this age.
1: Yeah. yeah, and so since we're responsible, since we represent all of Adamic Israelites, uh, those who are descendants of the early Christians, our seed, we Yahweh gives us the tools... The ability to do His will, and so that each of us is without excuse, like Paul said. But, but well, right, and, and it, well, we're all without excuse, but we have to
0: recognize that we're sinners, and, and then we don't need another excuse. We're men; we're, we're fleshly men, and, and it, it's—you it, see—that the lesson in this life is that there was a rebellion against. The creation of God. When you bastardize the creation of God, you are rebelling against the sovereignty of God. When you violate that law of kind after kind, that's the most horrible thing men can do. Because it's a destruction of the creation of God. And and the, the lesson isn't that we shouldn't race mix. The lesson is that God is sovereign. That's the primary lesson in this life. Our ancestors... And, and back in the Book of um, One Samuel, you know, back in the days of the Judges, our ancestors rejected the sovereignty of God, even though they saw all these fantastic things happen at, at, with His power, and, and they still rejected that sovereignty and demanded an earthly king, and and that's basically the same things the fallen angels did before the time of Adam was they thought they could improve on on the um, on the creation of God. I, by corrupting it, yes. they wanted to—they so, they wanted to form life in their image, right? Yes,
1: sir. So, so those sins that we, our errors, our our mistakes, the things that we have done that are grievous to our Father, uh, we're without excuse to escape from looking at every, all of it.
0: Well, well, that's why Paul says we have to acknowledge that the law is good. Yahweh is sovereign, his law is good, and we are sinners. As long as we understand that, we will be of humble mind and contrite spirit. and, And have a lot more respect for his creation, for his will, and for our brethren.
1: Yeah, yeah, sir. That responsibility is humongous. And it's good. It's good.
0: Oh, absolutely. And it is a responsibility.
1: And I'm I'm absolutely certain that as I was a former race mixer in my ignorance and my willfulness and my selfish, ignorant youth. So Judah also, you know, I'm sure that Judah realized that he had uh, conceived three bastards. Oh, that's why
0: you know Judah was used as an example for all of us. That's why Malachi—I think it's Malachi two twelve or Malachi two fourteen—I forget—states explicitly Judah married the daughter of a strange god. If we look at that in context, we see that there are priests in the temple of God who whose sacrifices are not accepted, just like Cain. Now we know why. <laughs> Now we know why Cain's sacrifice was not ex- accepted. Do you see that? Do you see the connection? People want to imagine why Cain's sacrifice was not accepted. Read, read Malachi chapter 2. Judah married the daughter of a strange god, and, and there were priests in the temple. And, and Yahweh said, no, in Malachi chapter 2, my covenant is with Levi. So what does that tell us? That tells us that these priests, they're not Levi. Why? Why? Because Judah married the daughter of a strange God.
1: Yes, uh-huh. Well, it's a lot, of those, a lot of those misdirections in looking at Scripture that... Well, by
0: that we know what Genesis chapter 3 and Genesis chapter 4 and Yahweh's rejection of Cain's sacrifice was really all about. Yes, sir.
1: And since Edom Esau, Edom Esau the Jews, current-day Jews, that are doing this identity theft like in the parable, let us kill him and inheritance will be ours and he will be the last days how he will be rule over his brother. Um, oh, yeah, The uh, now when we speak about Anglo-Saxons being the true descendants of Jacob Israel, Christians, now see what the Jews do and others, uh, and it could be, but it's not so, it's not that same, it's not, even related with the same attitude that Jews have, because they're not even, it's like, uh, it's a trick also that the white race doesn't have that kind of Jewish attitude. Uh, arrogance, I'll, hypocrisy. Oh, well, some of
0: us that, that act like Jews between our ears develop those, those um, but, but yes, arrogance and hypocrisy are definitely Jewish traits. It, it's, it's, there are two traits that, that are, are very predominant among Jews.
1: So some men's sins go before them, before the judgment, and some men follow after them. And that, what that is uh, most definitely pointing to, is the fact that if we can do confess our errors. Oh well,
0: if you're truly repentant, then you 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 understand that you're truly forgiven. I I mean it it goes hand in hand. But if you're truly repentant of your sins, you'll understand that you've been forgiven. And if you're not repentant, then, then you're going to face that judgment, and, and
1: it's not going to be comfortable. As Paul explained about going through the, uh, uh, the, the, about the wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stone, or, or whatever, going through the fire.
0: Well, well, absolutely, and Clifton really likes to, um, to elucidate that, and, and that's what Paul says. Some men build upon the foundation which Christ laid for us, gold and, and precious stones and silver, and some men lay upon it wood, hay, and stubble. If you want to operate outside of the the will of Yahweh and and imagine the scripture to say something other than what it says, or, or to ignore it altogether, well, all you're going to have is wood hay and stubble.
1: But it's only two seedling Christian identity that we're ident- identifying in scripture and history, the Anglo Saxons. I mean, that's the that is the foundation, right? Christ. But, well, he's the only solid foundation. Everything else is, shaking, is shifting sand, right? I mean, I mean, the urgency of understanding who true Jacob Israel is that's certainly isn't the case. But, well, it's
0: important, but there's a lot more to the story. I mean, it's, you can't have a solid foundation without that understanding, but that, that's only the beginning of understanding. The identity of Israel, a lot of people treat it as the end of understanding. It's really only the beginning, right?
1: But a necessary beginning. Well, absolutely.
0: Why do you love your brother if you think that some hot and hot half-breed is, is your brother? That's just incredible. just incredible. It says love your brother. It doesn't say to love the beasts. Okay, we need some su- participation here. This is an open forum program. I'm, I'm not going to um, egg, but but we, we open forums can't be open forums without participation. That's the way it is. Hello, Michael. Michael, you asked to talk, but your microphone's muted. <laughs>
3: Yeah, Here you go. a
4: lot of my...
5: About Cain, you know, his sacrifice was not accepted, bottom line, because he was of a mixed seed. Can I understand it that way? Oh, absolutely.
0: That's why, um, that's why there are priests who sacrifice. Yahweh won't accept in Malachi chapter 2. That's the, the um, parallel I'm, I'm trying to make because it's very clear. Well, why was Abel sacrificing? If you read in the book of Numbers, the oldest son is the family priest. But the Levites were taken by Yahweh as priests in place of the oldest son. It says that that states that explicitly in the book of Numbers. If the oldest son is typically the, the family priest in, in the traditions of our fathers, why was Abel sacrificing? I'll tell you why Abel was sacrificing. Because he knew Cain was no good, and he was competing with him for the priesthood. That's the way I read it.
5: No, I. I totally agree, because I remember I have that marked up in my Bible, and I had uh, my dad copy clifton 's notes off of that I remember now, but i've forgotten about that, but you did it was awesome when you contrasted between uh, God calling Levi for the priesthood in contrast to those other priests, supposedly priests in Malachi chapter two, verse fourteen, where you brought the contrast because a lot of people try to put people under the under the tithing business, using those passages, but you never hear them quote Malachi one, Malachi two. They always jump right to Malachi three and forget the context. But
0: well, while well, the tithe, uh, yeah, you know, the the same, the same mainstream Judeo Christians that tell you the law is dead want to collect the tithe, right? <laughs> right, but right, and if, if, well, it's pretty overt it. hypocrisy, is what I'm trying to say.
5: Well, uh, it is. And I told one Pentecostal preacher, I said, you want to collect tithe like a Levi, but you don't want to live like a Levi where you own nothing and you have no inheritance. Are you willing to give up the equity in the home? Are you willing to give up your land? And then he he got offended, of course.
0: Well, I'm sure the the Levites had homes. They just didn't have land that they could live off. In the ancient world, land was a, a necessity for life, Right. People made their own clothes. People didn't need Jewish merchants. They didn't need TV hucksters and, and, um, and, and trinket hucksters. That they only needed land. Land is life. And the Levites had no land, but they collected the tithe in, in place of the fact that they had none. But I'm sure they owned their homes. I'm sure they held a, a, a moderate amount of property. But, but that's besides the point the um the point is they had no land and therefore their livelihood that for their livelihood they were dependent upon the, the, the general people of the other tribes and and these priests that they uh, first there's no Christian priesthood the words Christian priesthood are an oxymoron you don't where do you find priesthood in the Bible in the New Testament? except in the Melchizedek priesthood and and in the fact that the children of Israel are a nation of priests. We're we're all priests. A priest does service to a God, for a God. And and that's the the, um, fulfillment of the office of priest. And, And we are all priests when we fulfill the things that our God requires, which are to keep his commandments and love our brethren. That's it. Period. It's over with. That's all he requires. Keep our commandments and love keep his commandments and love our brethren. Show me another requirement in the New Testament.
2: Oh there isn't any agree.
5: I agree. So instead of giving some Judeo pulpiteer five cents, go buy my brother a hamburger instead.
0: All right. right.
1: Absolutely.
5: Okay. Another question, Bill. I listened to um, What's his name? The truck driver, um, drives truck. Well, I forgot which one he was. Bruce. Brother Bruce. I I think it was him talking where he had accidentally got mixed up in a in a mixed uh, marriage. Okay. And Bruce, of course, he's a
0: child of God like we are. And, well, I would call it ignorance, but not necessarily an accident. I I mean, you don't get into a predicament like that by accident. <laughs>
5: I'm going to give my buddy Buddy Bruce, the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. Hey, I, re, I got a question. But what if a female Adamite gets hella weak and lies with a nigret, a beast, and has a child? Can the female Adamite be be granted repentance?
0: Well, well, yeah, if she gets rid of that kid and gets rid of that that the niglet the the um <laughs> the, the ape she was sleeping with and and repents and and. It basically turns her life over to the service of God. Yes, yeah, she could she could repent, but she has to cleanse herself of of um and, and she can't legitimately have another relationship. I mean, I don't see how. Well, well
5: if she was to repent and and get rid of the niggerette, and you know, let's say it's a one time deal, she gets rid of the niggerette and then repents and starts walking in the kingdom. Uh, Will she have a right to to marry a, another Adamite?
0: You know, that's that, that's. Uh, I mean, I can see her repenting and being accepted as a, a repentant person by her by her brethren and and all of that. But I I, I don't know if she wants to get married.
5: I don't. I don't no. I'm, I'm
0: going to be fleshly and say that I could never go there. <laughs>
5: No, but I mean, if she found a, a nice Adamite man that cared about her stuff, could she would she have the the release to to be would be joined to him?
0: Well, well, right, she's no longer a virgin and she's a sinner, but but I guess um I don't see where she would be doing a horrible thing if she found some sucker. I mean, if she found some man that wanted to have her. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think,
5: I'm just I, I, I'm trying to.
3: <laughs>
1: I had to term it that way. I just had to. Uh, Unless, of course, she was raped. Yeah, I forgot about that part. A lot of white women being raped by niggers. Absolutely.
0: It's, it's, It's a damn shame.
4: Yeah, but let's face it. A lot of those situations are because they went to go hang out with the niggers or they were out there in areas where they shouldn't have been. You know, their daddy sent them off to go to some... You know, Negro-infested university or something. They get a Jewish education. I mean, right. there's a lot of situations. that the, You don't hear Amish white women going to get raped all the time by Negroes. No. As they stay at home under daddy's belt until they're given away to a good Adamite man.
1: Yeah, probably a good majority of them are, do put themselves in that position. Mm-hmm. But not all of them, but a lot of them. Are.
0: Daniel, you, you know, Paul, I just cited several scriptures where Paul says that fornicators can repent. And the children of Israel at the time of Ezra and Nehemiah were told to put away their strange children and we're, we're, we, the time is coming, according to jeremiah chapter thirty one verses twenty seven to thirty that we will be punished for race mixing in this body, what will be punished, but we if we don't come out from among them as revelation eighteen four says, we will suffer the punishments that the the um the other races and the mixed people and the tares are going to suffer there's no doubt we're going if we don't put away our fornication we're going to be punished in this body but that doesn't have anything to do with salvation of the spirit which is what i just tried to explain preservation of the spirit is a different story okay bill now the mixed can... race children they can't be forgiven because they can't possibly be cleansed okay that makes sense
5: now, Bill, then the, is the unforgivable sin, that type of sin, even possible for pure Adamite then?
0: Well, oh, I mean, they do it, but they do it out of ignorance. They do it thinking that God's telling them a favor. I think the people really creating the unforgivable sin are, are the bastards in the pulpit and, and in the media who are blaspheming the Holy Spirit by telling them that by race mixing they're doing God a favor. They're telling them that God wants us all to mix. That's blasphemy to the Holy Spirit. And, and that's exactly what's going on today. It's all over the television. It's all over the newspapers. It's in the churches. It's in the schools. These people are saying that these people are being told and and these so-called educators and, and political figures and church figures are saying that you're doing God a favor by race mixing. That is definitely blasphemy to the Holy Spirit.
1: Yeah, and why is it that all throughout my, my little life, 51 years, it's only in the last four years, five, four, five years that I've ever heard this uh, race mixing, you know? I mean, why is that? Well, yeah, it's...
0: Well, I remember hearing the word multiculturalism probably in the late 70s for the first time, if I had to guess, late 70s, early early 80s in there. I didn't like it then. I know that term's been in, been in, in vogue for at least 25 years now. I'm gonna unmute Clifton. Clifton might have something to say. Just just in case Clifton has something to say, I'm gonna unmute him. All right, Clifton, you're on the spot now. No, I'm kidding.
6: <laughs> well, I'm against race mixing, you know, all the way. And yeah, uh, we definitely are. Uh, we've all been purchased back. So it's, it's like that passage you quoted there. Some of us sins are sins ahead to judgment. <clears throat> and the and the rest of us, uh, they follow uh, Our sins follow us to the. We're we're going to face those uh, sins, you know, uh, or and or after the fact. And, and the judgment is going to be categories: gold, silver, precious stones. Those things can't be burned up. Hay, wood, and stubble. And I think all these preachers is preaching uh, futurism, uh, like Hagee and uh, and that type of guy. All they're gonna to have to offer at the judgment is wouldn't stumble.
0: Absolutely. That's all they have. If indeed he's not a if if indeed he's not an, an Edomite anyway. If indeed he's not really a tear.
6: I, I think he, he is a he is a white person, but, but he married a Mexican and he thinks that's fine. Sets himself up as an example of what you really shouldn't do.
0: Well, I guess that makes that doesn't he's not a hypocrite. <laughs> He's just a sinner.
6: Oh, he has to be a
0: pretty dumb one, then. Yeah, he's denied. I, I mean, I have it somewhere on Christogenia. He, he, he's denying that Christ is the Messiah, even though even though the apostles proclaimed, "We have found the Messiah." <laughs> John Hagee denies it. Oh no, you didn't. He's telling John. That's what he's telling John. He's saying, "No, you didn't."
3: <laughs>
0: John says, "We found the Messiah," and John Hagee says, "Oh no, you didn't." That's just
1: evil.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, he's got to embrace the Jews because he's getting his money from them, bought and paid for.
6: A lot of people is going to go to the judgment. They aren't, they aren't going to have uh, the first thing to offer. They're, they're going to be completely empty-handed.
0: Well, well, right, because they have no good works, right? What, what good works do they have? Uh, I mean, what good works does John Hagee have? There's nothing, I, I, I don't see it. Uh, I mean, I've only seen the guy a couple of times and, and watched a couple of YouTubes. And every time I saw it, uh, it I, I was sick to my stomach.
6: Yeah, one time uh, I, I, I was watching him, and he had uh, seven or eight, maybe even nine or ten uh, Canaanite Jews on, on the platform there with him.
1: <laughs> Must have looked like a circus.
6: And he even invited that, uh, I call him nothing, Yahoo, uh, to speak. <laughs>
1: He must be the circus clown.
0: Well, John Hagee and Joe Osteen, they're just, um, I don't know, they're, they're, they've got to know better. I mean, I can't imagine that Joel Osteen, he seems like he studied the scripture somewhat. He takes the right position on a few things, especially on the food thing. I, I was shocked. But um, I don't know how, on the other hand, they get so much wrong, except that it's proof that You know, Yahweh opens our eyes, and and, um, that's just the way it is. And and he chooses who who sees this message, who sees the truth, and who lives in the deception. That's just the way it is, and we have to understand that, too, is also um, dependent upon the sovereignty of God. No matter how much you know about Scripture, if somebody's not supposed to see this message, if if their bell hasn't been rung by God himself, they're never going to see this message. I've spoken like to guys about Greek and history and scripture until I was blue in the face. they couldn't see a damn thing because that they were they were blind.
6: It's like I have one paper you wrote uh, I can't think of the name of it, but the real culprit is a guy that uh, paid the money to bring futurism into the country and 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 uh, then produce people Peggy
0: right. that was sin in the first epistle of John. The real yeah. culprit is the author of the sin and not the the poor. Sucker that was caught up in it, right?
6: So we got a whole bunch of poor suckers in the pulpit got caught up in this thing, and, and uh, it's they're almost teach, It's almost a hundred percent. They're almost a hundred percent of the churches are teaching
1: dumb dogs
6: bought, bought and paid for by by Canaanite Jews.
0: Well, that's exactly what they are: is dumb dogs. Isaiah fifty-six, Isaiah fifty-six nine to eleven. And that's exactly what's happening. All the beasts of the field are coming to devour because the pastors are all dumb dogs.
6: Well, uh, they're a dumb dog. Uh, a dumb dog can't bark, right? Right. That, that, if they're a dumb, dumb dog, they can't speak out the truth.
0: Because they, they, they think they know it, and they don't. That's why Christ told the Pharisees, and, and some of those Pharisees were Judahites. They weren't all Edomites. He told them, you say you see, so so you'll remain in your sin, because you say that you see. In other words, if they humbled themselves and 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 really tried to seek the word of God, then they wouldn't remain in their sin. They would eventually realize what, what the truth was. These mainstream pastors today, they claim to see, and they claim to know, but they really don't. Same exact pattern.
7: Well, Bill, what I would like to know, which I can't know, I know none of us can know, is what kind of punishment awaits John Hagee if he doesn't repent? Well, yeah, you know,
0: just like Paul says, and, and like Clifton just quoted, what is John Hagee laid upon the foundation of Christ, but but wood and hay and stubble? Some of us, you, you know, our works are burned in the fire, and if there's nothing left, the soul is still saved, that the spirit still lives. But we have nothing to um, show for our labors.
7: So the um, unrighteous uh, servant who buried his coin... What happens to him? I thought he gets cast out, doesn't
0: he? Yes, Christ used that example that he gets cast into the outer darkness.
7: <laughs> so if he's an Israelite, how how can he be saved? Well, the spirit is preserved, but
0: are we all going to like it? That's another story. I mean, I can't make that judgment. I can't. I don't have enough
7: information to make that distinction. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I mean, take the Canaanite woman, for instance. At least she had the uh, humbleness to admit the truth. Um, she's better than John Hagee, as far as I'm concerned. Well,
0: she's absolutely better than John Hagee, because um, John Hagee is denied Christ, and, and she admitted the power of Christ, right? Revelation 22:12. 12. For outside are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters, and whoever loves and makes a lie. But now... I'll probably study that a little more deeply when I do my Revelation presentation for those chapters. But, you know, that's long after everybody who, who is not written in a book is thrown into the lake of fire. Hey Bill, I
5: forgot, and I need you to refresh my memory. Was the Canaanite woman in Matthew and Mark, was she Canaanite by geography or was she Canaanite genetically?
0: No, I have every reason to believe she was a Canaanite genetically. And that's because Matthew called her a Canaanite. You see, the Greeks did not have the word Canaanite in their vocabulary. The the word Canaanite does not appear in any secular Greek writing, period. The word Canaanite only appears in in the New Testament and and in a couple of the early church writers 200 years later, right? But it doesn't appear before that. Now, Mark calls her a Phoenician. Which to me seems to be a geographic description, all right. Okay. And, and she's also called a Greek, which seems to me to be a, a description of her ram, um, her customs and habits, right, and, and her language. But a, a lot of those people were Hellenized, right? Now um, Matthew, Matthew calls her a Canaanite, and, and Mark, Mark's um. There's a lot of hebraisms in in the Gospel of Mark, right? I, I think he even though he had a um, a Greek name, I think he may have been a Hellenized Hebrew all, all right and and his gospel is really Peter's gospel anyway and and we we have indication of that in in the early church fathers. I cited them on on one of my last programs with Eli, I had talked about that about how mark's gospel the gospel Mark recorded really is the Gospel of Peter. And, and there's a lot of Hebraisms in it, words, terms that you don't, the, it, word usages that you don't see in Greek, that you see in Hebrew, and, and it, it's like Hebrew idiom in Greek language. It's a clear um, Hebrew method of communication in, in the Greek language that would be a Hebraism, right? That's what I mean by that. And, and um, it's like the idiom, you have a hole in your head. Well, Well, that wouldn't make any sense to a Russian, right? But but if I said it in Russian to a Russian, that it it would be considered an anglicism, Do you, or an Americanism. You know you know what I mean. I'm using an American or an English idiom in Russian. It may make no sense to a native Russian. So, so these Hebraisms exist in Mark. So I don't think Mark was a Greek by race, but it's hard to tell. He was definitely um, Hellenized. But he he used that syro Phoenician. Label, and and that's a Greek geographical label. It's not a racial label at all. Matthew called her a Canaanite. It's without a doubt in all the earliest, in, in all the manuscripts of Matthew, he clearly identifies this woman as a Canaanite. And that's something that would be, you know, the identification of a Canaanite by race would be within the realm of Hebrew understanding, but the Greeks didn't understand it because they hadn't really. When the Hellenistic period came, the Canaanites had already faded into um, obscurity as, as a race of people. I, I, I'm as, as a distinct that. race of people, right? That they were the, the peoples of the region were very race mixed, but um, the Canaanites as a distinct race had faded into obscurity by then.
5: Okay, because what came to my mind was, Belasius of Balakaius pointed out that the Canaanite woman was more than likely a pure Adamite or an Israelite, but her daughter, which was a puppy, was mixed or bastardized.
0: Well, I can't agree with Balakaius on that because Matthew distinctly says the woman is a Canaanite, and because I know that that made no sense to a Greek, that somebody be called a Canaanite. They didn't have the word in their lexicon, as far as we know from all Greek writing. Okay, if she wasn't a I'd, Canaanite by race. Math, why would Matthew use that term? Why would he choose to use that term? Uh, that's a good point. That that settles it right there. Because the term is is very obscure in the first century A.D. So, so I believe she was definitely a Canaanite by race.
5: Okay, because a lot of CI past, a lot of CI teachers and pastors through the years use those two passages, Matthew and Mark, to bring in anybody.
0: That well, of course, but that's just ridiculous, right? That's just absolutely ludicrous.
5: Yes, and after reading Clifton's writings and trying to refresh my memory, uh, I remember uh, yours and Clifton's position made the most uh, biblical sense.
0: Well, well David was kind to the Philistine king. That doesn't make him part of the Old Testament covenant, does it? No. No. Now, that
5: Philistine king, do you think he was a pure Adamite or you think he was mixed?
0: Well, well I think that most of the Philistines were were Adamites. And, and that's because of um, in, in Zechariah, where there's a, a prophecy about the Philistines. And Yahweh says that a bastard shall live in Ashdod in the future, right? And, and that's in the book of Zechariah. Now, if a bastard's going to live in Ashdod is part of a prophecy against the Philistines, then that indicates that the Philistines presently living in Ashdod are not bastards, doesn't it?
5: Yes, I forgot about that passage. So some of these, some of these people then could apply to the Acts 17 group, so to speak, that Paul was dealing with.
0: Well, yeah, because they're Adamites, but they're just not under the special covenant relationship, the, the marriage relationship that Yahweh has with Israel. Yeah, Acts chapter seventeen is is the gospel to um it's Paul's it's it's Paul's gospel to non Israelite Adamites. That's what it is. Because the first um the first promise of, of salvation in the spirit it is um in, in Genesis three twenty two. That that's
5: that's right. I forgot about that.
0: Now, in Acts chapter 17, Paul is addressing Ionian Greeks. They're Athenians. So he never talks about the covenant. He never talks about redemption. But he says that, and, and, and he makes a, a statement that refers back to Deuteronomy 32.8, talking about of one, uh, one were all the nations of Adam made, right? And, and um, he's only talking about white Adamites, and, and he's basically saying that Yahweh left, you know, left it up to all these Adamic nations that they should seek God. And, of course, they all went their own ways, right?
5: Right. But you take nations like New Zealand, Australia, and still some of South Africa, Europe, Scandinavia. There's still, we have a lot of Adamic brethren over there.
0: Oh, well, right. But that doesn't, yeah, you know, most of those people are probably Israelites, too, of Israelite blood, too, all those white people. I'm sure. I mean we all came from the same place, right? The Australians came from England as as well as my my um, Puritan ancestors did, right?
5: Right, but when we look at the Orientals, the 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 pygmies,
0: the glows and Well, they're not atomized. They they're not even on the map here. Okay. I just so they just they can't wondered. possibly be on a the map. They're not a, they're they're not a subject of of the um of the Bible, unless it talks about sowing the, the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and the seed of beasts. Or unless it talks about um, arise ye beasts of the forest and kill and eat. And, and all the I'm beasts sure. of the forest come to devour. That, that's not talk. I don't see a problem with lions coming out of the woods and devouring our people. I see a problem with two-legged beasts devouring our people. <laughs> not four-legged beasts. <laughs> And in, in that aspect, we, we can never accept the other races of people as people when the Bible tells us over and over again that they're beasts. You mean the serpent wasn't a real snake? When, um, hmm. when the Bible calls them beasts, how, how can we imagine that they're going to be um, judged as people? God's using these, these other races to chastise us, and, and um, if you want... If you want to know about beasts in the New Testament, then you have to go to where it talks about beasts in the New Testament. And, and if you find that, you'll you'll find Jude 1.10. And, and you'll read about about um, brute beasts who are made to be taken and destroyed. 2 Peter 2.12. There. You want to know what's going to happen to the beasts that the house of Israel and the house of Judah are sown with? Read 2 Peter 2.12. These people that feast with us, are going to perish in their own corruption. They're like natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed. Okay,
5: so we're talking about the progenitive that you, you taught us about the other night, right?
1: Pejorative. Per, per,
0: pejorative. P E pejorative,
1: J O R A T I V E, yes. Now he's speaking of the uh, non uh, Adamites there, isn't he? Right, absolutely. That's exactly what Peter's
0: speaking about.
5: Well, wait, you guys, listen, Municher showed those pictures of people that look identical like us. You could swear that they're they could keep their, their born from above like we are.
0: But no, you, you know, we're told, Michael, that you can't tell the wheat apart from the tares. That's why we can't separate them.
1: That's why Paul says it's no surprise that Satan himself can transform himself into an angel of light. Friday, right, State Woman, by their fruits we know them. That, that's what we're
0: told in, in the Scripture. And if they're acting like Jews, they may as well be Jews.
5: Yeah, but you know, Bill, isn't there a chance that possibly a guy like Hagee, who has been in the lamplight all these years, because of his fruits, that he could possibly have genetically some edomite blood in him?
0: Well, well, it's absolutely possible. It's absolutely possible. I'd say it's absolutely probable. (laughs) We don't know. But that's why we're told that we can't do the separating. Only Yahweh... And and his angels can do to separating.
1: Well, anybody that points the way to the Jews, the so-called chosen people, I, I would strongly suggest that they themselves are um, sharing in the curse of, of the, I don't know, what I mean, where do you draw the line?
0: Well, when the day comes that they're to be taken and bundled and thrown into the fire, we'll sure as hell know it, and it will happen. Yes, sir. Today we argue about whether or not there was really a Holocaust, and in a couple of of decades hopefully we'll be arguing about whether or not there were really Jews. That's what I look forward to.
1: Never forget that question, that question in the Jews come up. I honestly really didn't know what the hell a Jew was.
0: Well, I was aware of them at a very young age because my father had had, um, never had any love for them at all, right? I probably knew all about them by the time I was 12. Most of the merchants in, in Jersey City and Bayonne where I grew up were were Jews also. Most of the store owners and most of the shop owners and
5: Hey Bill, but Martin Luther, the reformer, he had him
0: pegged also, didn't he? Well he had him pegged late in life too, you know. He he swallowed the lie when he was young a younger man. It it took him a few he, he had to get slapped around a little to to realize what they were about.
1: Were the Jews of wits running around when he was there, here? Oh of course they were. Yeah, that's probably what was slapping him around.
0: In, in fact, there's a safe bet the Pope was a Jew, so. <laughs> <laughs> but the Pope of Martin Luther's time was definitely a Jew. It, it was um, Leo Tenth, right? I talked about him a couple of weeks ago, right? He was that Giovanni di Medici. <laughs> Giovanni di Medici had, had to be a Jew. There's no doubt about it. The di Medici family had to be Jews. And, and Catherine di Medici also came from that clan. And, and she was running. She was the queen of France. She was mother to a couple of French kings, mother and wife. And um, under her were the Huguenots persecuted. Hundreds of thousands of Huguenots died under that Edomite whore. That's what she is. Pammy Gerald has some experience with HughesNet. He could probably tell you that Wild Blues is probably a lot better, even though that's not perfect either, but it's probably better than HughesNet. Maybe when your contract's up, you could switch. I'm sorry to see you're having such a rough time. Well, this is an open forum and, and it's hard to have an open forum without open forum participants, so if anybody has something to say, I, I more than welcome them to um say it. It it's only been an hour and ten minutes, we can't be out of steam already. Don't everybody volunteer at once now. <laughs> I don't believe these things used to go five hours. They don't go five hours. Now now we're lucky they go two. <laughs>
7: I think we all need to study some more.
0: Well, that's always, you know, without a doubt, we all need to study some more. But we only have so much revelation, right? And we have to make the best use of it that we can.
1: Well, you know, uh, the the thing about rewards and punishments um, and uh, motives and all, as far as what Paul was describing uh, where he spoke about, running in a race you do to obtain the prize uh, the high calling of Yahweh our father through Yahshua Christ and uh it wasn't so much of uh, the reward is uh is Yahweh himself you know it's not like uh getting brownie buttons or collecting merit badges you know uh that that's that's Christianity. i mean that's what that describes uh as far as uh i mean it's really doing the will of yahweh not doing our own will not the will of the world the will of the jews the will of another man not of man but of, of yahweh so he himself is our our, our real reward and uh the way I see that, as far as the dogs are and uh, those who did fornication and hide outside the gate as being uh, partakers of, of, of Yahweh, uh, His he no beginning and no end, his, his riches are un- unsearchable, unfathomable, and eternal, and he himself is our, our reward, not, you know, uh, the, the, I mean, the thing of comp- competing... With another brother or sister is just asinine, you know. <laughs> like, well, I don't think right. that Paul meant it that way, right? He didn't oh,
0: mean well, it that's a, that's as it was some a... sort of competition between brethren. In fact, Paul says many times that we're we're all peers in this, that we're all equals. He never considered himself to be um, anything greater than than any of his co-workers, which is what he called his colleagues, is what he called the other apostles.
1: That's exactly the point I was uh, was making. Uh, You didn't call them comrades, you know, uh, but the point is that Yahweh himself is our exceeding great reward. Uh, It has nothing to do with um, you or us or they as far as brethren and kinsfolk, but it's a collective, cohesive uh, we're Somehow going together in this, or we're not going at all. But well, what we're a body of Christ, right? We're not
0: individuals. What we're individuals in the sense that each of us has different gifts, each of us has a different um, set of data set to work with, each of us has different um, skills, and and each of us is meant to accomplish different things. In that sense, we're individuals. But we shouldn't treat ourselves as individuals. We should treat ourselves as part of the body of our brethren. And, and realize that we need them as, as much as we need um, God himself. And, and we need our brethren more than we need ourselves. That, that's, that, that's the true Christian sacrifice is to live for one's brethren and not for oneself. Hey, Bill.
5: Cammie wrote a question I don't know who Cami is. He wrote a pretty good question here. If you want to comment on it, I'm trying to find it.
0: Well, right, a broken cistern is a broken cistern. That is, um, the Indian question is a very difficult question for Americans, right? I really believe that there may have been some Indian tribes that were actually white. It's very clear that so many Indians had their origin in in. Um, in Europe, or or even in the Mediterranean at a very early time. And it's also very clear, and, and this can definitely be demonstrated in our recent history, that most people who claim to be part Indian might only be kidding themselves. Because in the 18th and early 19th centuries, the literary industry, even before the television age, had romanticized the American Indian to the point where many young men and women thought it was fascinating to be part Indian, and a lot of people began making that claim that had no Indian blood at all. So, so when people tell me that they're part Indian, uh, I mean, I've heard that from so many blond haired blue-eyed people, especially from down south, that I usually um, take it with a grain of salt, and, but their works prove to me who they are. So that's how I handle the Indian question, unless somebody's obviously an alien. That there are people that are part Indian that are obviously aliens. I hope that answers your question.
5: Yeah, yeah. I just noticed it.
0: I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to marry a woman and and have children with her that that said she was part Indian. But a lot of part Indians really aren't part Indian at all, or, or a lot of people that think that they're they're Indians really aren't.
5: Yeah. Another thing, everybody. I don't want to bring this up again, but it's a lot of fun. It's probably the, my favorite archive of bills I've ever listened to, and it's on the Chris Deguine form. It's 12:21 December 21st of '09, and you start listening to it about an hour and 26 minutes into it, and Bill just covers a lot of ground, explains the, where Yahweh's a spirit. But at the same time, Yahweh can be himself in flesh, but as the Son, but in flesh, can't contain all of Yahweh. And the way he explained it was just phenomenal. And he covered a lot of other things, too. Acts 17, John 1. I mean, it's probably the most exciting archive I've listened to out of 280-plus archives that I have.
0: Oh, well, I don't remember. Sorry,
3: but I don't.
5: I, I just I thought I'd throw that out there because I listened to it again last night and it was pretty good. So it's pretty exciting. The way you carried yourself and handled yourself, Bill. I mean, man, you spoke with one out with authority. That out of all I listened to, that's the best.
0: Who was talking? To, who who was there? Who who? I don't remember it. I, I honestly don't.
5: Yeah, I do. I do remember. I'll never forget it. It was Brother Buck, and he was kind of subtle in his. He, I believe Buck had an ulterior motive, but if you go and listen to that archive starting at about one hour and 26 minutes on the archive, it's it's anointed.
0: Oh, I don't know if I'm going to go listen to it. I, I don't usually listen to myself when I'm done. I just move I on. Think that,
1: I think that's where Buckaroo was bringing up the uh, Trinity uh, topic, correct? Is that, is that right? That was one of them,
5: but more than anything... If if all you guys want to listen to something that's a lot of fun to listen to, just listen to that. That was that's a lot of fun. The way Bill handled it was just pro level. Yeah, he didn't compromise with the kid. Well, the other thing is Bill was just scripture was just flowing out of Bill's guts. I mean, it was just like a walking word of God, man. It was just, it's the best.
1: Living epistles.
5: Exactly, and it's and it's twelve twenty one oh nine you start at, and it's on the Guinea form.
0: Okay, we got to have something else tonight. We can't be done yet.
7: Hey, or well, can we, we drop again? Don? Uh, you know, I'm arguing with my sister tonight, <laughs> as usual. Yeah, what uh, else is new? View about society, whereas the individual can make as much as they desire, uh, as far as, you know, monetarily. And not really give it down about anyone else, uh, you know, because they paid them or they paid this and they therefore they earned it. And everyone else, you know, if, if even if they work, you know, they don't deserve, uh, they only deserve whatever they get. I mean, it just seems crazy to me that sh- she has that view of things, you know, that Bill Gates can make as much as he wants, to, regardless of how many people or what he pays people, you know. But Well, money is a test, right? But money is a test for
0: us. It's not a reward. It's a test. When you're given things, they come from God, and, and it's what you do with them that is the test. And and if you're given adverse, and if you're giving, if you're given adversity in your life, and you handle it well, and and seek to please God even in your adversity, that's a blessing. And, and you'll pass that test. If you're given riches in this life and you seek to please God and and you look out for your brethren with your riches and take care of your brother, then you'll pass that test. If you're given riches in this life to hoard to think that you're going to hoard it, well what does Paul say about he who is given much um, it is well diminishes himself for the sake of his brethren so that he who is not given much doesn't do without. Uh, I mean, that's I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what Paul said. If you're given riches in this life, Yahweh uh, God wants to see what you're going to do with those riches. And and you have a choice to do well or to do evil. And and if you take those riches and squirrel them away, think about the man that said that he had a couple of good years in a row. This is one of the parables. And and he had a lot of goods and, and a lot of wealth. And what he was going to do is he was going to build himself a bigger storehouse to store all his goods and his wealth. And God said to him, you fool, your life is required of you of this minute. Your, your life is required of you this very minute. Because he he had all this wealth, he should have been looking for the needy among his brethren to share it with. That's what he should have been doing with it. And that's where your sister's at. That's the way it is.
7: Actually, they're, uh, Who knows what, what, kind of, what kind of debt they have. Uh, it's just not good. But they, they made millions in the 20 years of their small business. And they squandered all of it, and are really uh, tens of thousands in debt right now, probably even more. And that's probably
0: her punishment for not having the right attitude about it. That's the way I would look at that.
7: It hasn't changed mine one bit. When, when we're given riches, it's it's a,
0: a gift from God, and He wants us He wants to see what we're going to do with it.
7: Well, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm actually richer than they are right now. And and you're
0: working for a pittance for some damn kite, right? That's a damn shame. No, that's that's the way I see it. And, and we the, the proud fall, they fall hard, right? And now, what? Bill Gates, he he's an Edomite, I think. It, it doesn't matter how rich he gets, he's going to use it for evil any any way he does it.
7: Uh, I'm sorry.
3: Who is Bill Gates? Yeah,
7: that's what I told her. I says, can't, she's she. Uh, she said. That he gives millions to charity. I says, well, what kind of charities, Karen? The uh, United Negro College Fund? Right. <laughs> he made an announcement. I, I was in prison at the time. I
0: was sick to my stomach. Bill Gates, because um, I thought about all the money I spent on Microsoft um, operating systems and, and programming tools, before I went to prison right well well um Bill Gates made an announcement that he set up a billion dollar scholarship fund for Negroes only if a white man did that for whites only there would be an absolute uproar the the the, um, the Fuhrer would, would would be a six on a Richter scale right and in, in the media and across the country if a white man did that for whites only Bill Gates set up a billion dollar scholarship for Negroes only, and everybody thought it was a small thing. Well, let's get the white man fund going then. But, well, a white man did it, and and the courts took it apart. His name was Milton Hershey, founded a school that was like a permanently funded school in in high school in Pennsylvania for whites only. That was in his will, and the courts took that apart. And now the school is mostly Negroes.
1: Yeah, a
7: a Jew will screw you even after you're dead, right? Well, it seems like the only way a rich white man can do anything is just take his wealth um, before the end of his life, or even way before it, um, and just hand it out to any white person he finds. Well, well right.
0: I wish I could remember where that scripture was, because I, I, I know I butchered it when, when I um, paraphrased it.
7: Well, Bill, I mean, so you would say, I mean, if you get a word in edgewise with her, I, I don't think you could, but... Um, just what you said to me just now about the riches uh, you know uh, and and that that would be it Yeah right I I bring up the parable of,
0: of the um the man with the the treasures in the storehouse that's what she needs read to her Here we have first, first let me read this I I found I found it I'm not totally useless I, I know the, the story I don't know the Bible I'll tell you that Okay Paul in in um 2 Corinthians, he's talking about the, the collection that he's taken for the people in Jerusalem. Uh, let me give some background history there, right? The, the, the Christians in Jerusalem before 70 AD, they were excoriated from society. The Edomites wanted to kill them all, and, and they couldn't even go out and work, right? They, they couldn't be seen in public, never mind try to make a living. It's kind of like um kind of like it is today in in a lot of ways just worse right well well anyway, Paul was taking up a collection for these people for these Christians in Jerusalem from the people that the christians in greece and and that's totally perfectly legitimate and and um he made a quote of an Old Testament scripture. I'd have to look it up to see what scripture it is. But he says, he, he's talking about their willingness to do this, right? And he says, if that readiness is set forth according to whatever one would have is acceptable. In other words, you give as you can. Not according to that which one does not have. So don't be compelled to give your brother money when you really don't have it yourself, right? Not in order that there is relaxation for others and pressure for you, but from equality or equity, right? In other words, give fairly. That's what Paul's asking these people. At the present time, your abundance for their deficiency, in order that also their abundance would be for your deficiency, that in some way there would be equality, just as it is written, the great have not had excess and the small have not been diminished in other words the great have not had excess if you're a wealthy man you should be looking out for your brethren that that don't have the ability to accumulate the wealth that you have because we don't all have the same gifts we can't say well well we're all equal so so i got a million dollars so you got to go out and get your own no if i have a million dollars in the bank i'm I'm sinning because i shouldn't have a million dollars in the bank I'm sinning because I have hungry brethren, I have hungry kin, and, and um, they have mortgages, or, or they have debts. Now, I wouldn't say to give the money to, a, to a somebody that's a sinner. You know, you don't, I mean, if I got a, a, a friend, well, a friend, he wouldn't be a friend if he was a fag. If I have a cousin down the road who is a, a homosexual, I'm not going to give him a dime. He has to repent of, of his lifestyle. But if I see a poor white kid that's a stranger to me that needs a pair of shoes, he'll have those shoes. And that's what we should do with our wealth. We should look out for our brethren. That's why we're given gifts like that. And, and our stewardship of, of those gifts that we're given is important. That's the way it is. And if your sister doesn't understand that, I, I just pity her. A lot of white people don't understand that, John. They think that life is, like Bruce said before, they think that life is a contest. He who dies with the most toys wins. Well, that's Jew heaven. That's an expression of Jewish heaven right there. Having that attitude permeate society has created heaven for the Jew.
7: Yeah, well, they did squander their wealth. Uh, I'll say that. Well, well, right. It was probably your punishment if they'd have been better
0: stewards of of the blessings that God gave them perhaps they wouldn't be in debt today i mean it's easy to play monday morning quarterback right
7: yeah but bill i always live responsibly and within my means and it's like for them it's like hey let's go to the friggin' foxwoods next week and, and gamble money away
0: but well, well right and and that's that that's the do. we should live responsibly and within our means we always should no matter how much money we have what well, we should live responsibly if you were a zillionaire, you shouldn't want to go to the Foxwoods and gamble money away.
4: I wonder if you could even find somebody to take the money, a white person like you we're talking about.
0: But while there are needy white people, right, Robert? I mean, if you find kids that, that, that are young families that, that are on the balls of their ass that, that need help, that's where you should spend your money. See a woman with a nigglet on her hip, I wouldn't give her a dime.
4: But, but if I saw Our
3: soul and
4: spirit, they might reject it. They might think there's something fishy about it. Well, well right. If, you're, if they're Right.
0: Well, then you, you just knock the dust off your sandals and you move on, right? I remember starting out with my first wife. And, and when, when my second kid was born, I had to take a second one. When my son Billy was born, the one that comes here, I had to take a second job just to pay the rent. And, and there were times when a, a few times we caught ourselves rolling pennies just to buy dinner. It's hard for young families to start out.
4: Now if your family offers you money, you'll take that without question.
0: Well Well, you know, in today's age, you're, you're right. Everybody is suspicious of everybody else, and, and that's what, what what the Jewish media has done for us, Robert.: Yeah, but you,
2: people won't take it from a stranger.
0: Right, Bob from Pennsylvania says, "Give it to Anna Sophia so she could go help the monkeys in Kenya." Here's here's the um I, I forget her real name, Kimmy. Kimmy is um Bob's partner's niece. Now now this girl's born into privilege, had you know an upper middle class family and and um she has everything she wants and she runs off to Haiti to help the monkeys and and now she's running off to Africa to help the monkeys. That, that's these evangelical churches. She's in, and her and her father, they're in, her family, they're in an evangelical church, and, and, um, I forget what denomination they are, but it's bad that they believe in helping the, these animals that can't help themselves. And, and to hell with their brethren and, and their kin. You help your brother, you help your own people first, always. And, and you shouldn't even help the, the, um, non Adamic people. And, in fact, I'll quote, I'll, I'll quote a scripture if, if I could, um, well, I have my Bible works open, so it'll take me a minute, but I'll
4: come up with it.
2: So do I actually have talk power? Oh, this is amazing.
4: Yes, the great one, Mike, has granted you talk power. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know why. <laughs> oh, I feel special now.
2: I know there's some people in prison that could use some help. There's a girl in Canada locked up. If you go to Paul Fromm's site, he's trying to help her. You know, I think about the amount of... The amount of money I've given to things that God's just going to beat the hell out of me at some point. you got to be somewhat wise with what you do with it. You don't want to hand it over to these idiots.
4: There's a guy in prison in Great Britain for telling the truth about 7-7 uh, seven, seven in the uh, U.K.
2: Serac.
0: This is the wisdom of Serac from the ap- uh, Apocrypha, right? But but these wisdom books are, are a perfect reflection of... Um, they should have been in the Bible, I, I believe. They're, they're a very good reflection of the application of Scripture. The so, Act 12, 4, Give to the godly man, and help not a sinner. Do well unto him that is lowly, but give not to the ungodly. Hold back thy bread, and give it not unto him, lest he overmaster thee thereby. In other words, when we give, when we give to these other races, they overmaster us. By what we've, through what we've given them, for thou shalt receive twice as much evil for all the good thou shalt have done unto him. For the Most High hateth sinners and will repay vengeance unto the ungodly and keep them against the mighty day of their punishment.
2: I would have to say the vast majority of giving today is to um, the non-Adamic races ungodly
0: right, the people that yeah, don't have a, a God right exactly I mean, that's exactly what
2: they're doing is they're they're they they've gained power over us and they're going to continue to have power over us until these idiot evangelicals uh stop funding them I, that's why? why I read that scripture bob
0: i know, I knew yep. you would see that
2: drives me nuts every day i you well, only you know what drives yeah, me nuts to. too is watching Anna Sophia or Kim- Kimmy head to Kenya. I mean that is just. With those monkeys? Oh my oh, gosh!
0: Absolutely beautiful girl. They'll they'll tear her apart first chance
2: they get. But, what are you going really to say? Gonna I told you so. Earlier, right? Oh, Crowe trying to say something.
4: Oh no, I was just trying to say. Did you hear what I said earlier about that twenty-year-old uh, NASCAR kid? He won the Daytona 500.
2: Oh yeah, he's going to give his money to the who? Who's he giving his money to? A monkey?
4: Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he won like I don't know, it's the second race ever. He won like one point six million. He was. He was hailed as the youngest this and most, you know, like he broke all these records for being such a new kid on the block to win the Daytona 500. I, I don't pay attention to that crap, to be honest myself. But, uh, you yeah, know, I happened to be flipping through the radio trying to catch some news on the way to driving to the store. And I, it was like this so-called Christian radio. And they were just praising him up and down because the most important thing he did is, is was being a good, humble Christian by saying he was going to send his... um. Uh, hundreds of thousands of his winnings to these these three places uh India, Nigeria, and Mexico um all these ministries that uh feed all of our you know all the what do you want to call them over there
2: how would you like to have a boatload of money like that and just do exactly the opposite can you imagine what the news media would go nuts but today we have so many examples of the opposite, they really couldn't complain. You just have to bring them up. How are they going to complain when Bill Gates gives billions of dollars to everybody but the whites?
4: Because it's racist.
0: Yeah. Well, I to see what this Michelle Erstikaitis did. Erstikaitis, that's a Greek name. Michelle Erstikaitis has consented to being designated a Canadian dangerous offender. This is a very rare step to someone to take as that is Canada's most serious criminal designation. Ms. Erstekadis told Ontario Superior Court Justice Todd Archibald that she was confident in her decision to agree to that designation when she appeared in court on Tuesday, February fifth, 2010. While she pleaded guilty to charges of mischief, armed assault, and threatening the accused arsonist, stated in court that she would not oppose the Crown's request to declare her a dangerous offender. That decision could result in her being in prison indefinitely. First Decatus is accused of assaulting her boyfriend with scissors and throwing a glass plate at him during an argument in Toronto last January. He was not gravely injured. However, she was in the last six months of a six-year sentence as a long-term offender. In addition, she had served two years in prison after pleading guilty to a 1999 arson fire at a Hamilton apartment building. Hamilton's near Ram, um, Toronto. As a long term offender, she is required under Canadian law to be closely monitored in the community. I want to see why she did this. In the past, Urs has expressed her admiration for serial sex killer Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka. In June 99, she was convicted. Robert, what's up with this woman?
4: Well, she just got some bad people. She might straighten out. She doesn't deserve to be classified as a dangerous criminal. She goes around
0: burning apartments down and worships, expresses admiration for sexual,
4: serial sex offenders. I don't know. It's just something I can't... I I happen to find.
0: I don't know. I think there's better causes causes than this, Robert. I would hate to tell you.
2: Maybe even Bill Gates One might want to uh, give him some money over that woman.
0: <laughs> Thirty years old, the oldest of three daughters of a sex worker, a sex worker drug addict mother. She lived with her mother until she was about five years old. When she was eight years old, she was adopted. I don't, you know, I I don't um, I don't see where this woman sure helps, helps really our, cause. our cause. There's Brendan O'Connell in, in Australia. There's somebody that helps our cause, right? It's probably a lot more worthy than this woman is.
4: She's just a little bit young to be in such big trouble.
2: Yeah, but if she's not having babies and she's not with the guy,
4: forget her. She's white nationalist.
2: She's useless then.
4: Yeah, for now. She might come around later if she survives it. Well, I didn't see anything in that article
0: that indicated she had white nationalist political leanings. I'm sure they would have loved to have trumpeted that as a great crime. I don't know, Robert. I, I would look at different causes, I'd
2: have to say. It is kind of interesting. We really don't have anybody that would step up like that today for the for the white race as far as a wealthy individual. It would be, it would be fascinating to watch all the vulture Jews go after him.
0: Well, well right, but that's exactly what, uh, you know, the scripture indicates at every turn, Robert.
2: Oh, well, no doubt, but it would just be interesting to see.
0: Yes, it would. But it's probably not going to happen. Because people well, that are wealthy love their wealth and... Uh-huh. and That's the God or mammon choice, right?
2: It's certainly not going to happen in visibility, let's put it that way. Right. Because the press isn't ever going to give anybody visibility for someone donating to white causes.
0: Oh, they would probably ignore them if they had to do anything.
2: That's right. I'd just like to see one One of these preacher men come to their right mind. You know, you talk to them, and they're they're just out there. That was a question I had earlier I was actually working on through the taxes, but um, it, it is it is kind of bizarre to figure out or try to figure out why someone understands something and another person doesn't. And as of yet, I'm not convinced that it is necessarily has anything to do with worthiness. It almost seems random.
0: Well, you know, you, you don't know what's in a person's heart, right? Some no. people some people really do appear to be sincere. And, and caring and loving and, and they're really not they're really since that they're, they're really putting on a pretense of sincerity and caring and loving and in and, and pretense but they're really doing things for a totally different reason than you think that they're doing
2: them yeah but isn't it difficult for someone to, to sustain a lifestyle like that their whole life i mean i have an uncle that would never that never understands this he thinks i'm compl- i'm going to hell but i mean all of his children are uh, raised, they were raised well. Uh, they uh, understand, I would say, what I would call the basic Jew- uh, the basic Jewish Christianity today, yeah, but they're all married, they all stayed married. I mean, there was a certain example that went along with that, but they, he just does not, and, and neither are any of his kids capable of, right now anyhow, seeing anything that has to do with the CI message.
0: Well, most people are It's just so alien to everything that they've all ever Learned. It's absolutely against everything that they believe to be right. You're you're not going to get people um, to understand this message easily. I really think that the um, the average person is too good in his own mind to understand this message, cause of it having been drilled into his head for so many years. Racial distinctions are evil. And and they never that they really don't that they're too good to understand that racial distinctions aren't evil. See what I'm trying to say, and it's hard to express.
2: I suppose that's a possibility. It, it's uh it's so well it, it causes a lot of strife when you do stuff like that,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and most people just want to get along with in their environment.
1: Right. Give me the put it in my pocket. give, give me the easy way.
0: Where the other races are concerned, you really have to come to an awakening, and I really think that you you have to um, you have to either suffer some wrong at them or witness some wrong that makes you think about their essence and and what they are be, before you can be awakened to to the truth. I, I really believe that. I mean, most people project their own. And I was talking about this last night. I think most people project their own feelings and and values about things onto others. You know, because I respect life, I'm going to imagine that you also respect life. Because I respect my kin and my race, I'm going to imagine that you think like that too. And and that's most people project their own values and societal mores on onto the people around them. That's why our people are so easily fooled. Into um, believing that these other races that that they're generally good people, because we project our own thoughts, emotions, and values onto these people. But when in in cold reality is that these people don't think like we
2: do at all. Well, that's that's kind of hard to say. We've discussed this before. When you end up with these mixtures, and that's what most of it is today. You don't know you what you're going to know do. what what's going to pop out. But well, you, you don't end up with with people that look a certain way that don't necessarily act that way. The thing that astonishes me more is there's an awful large percentage of, of whites that are just oblivious today. And they are really out there. Certainly uh, I don't have, I'm the only one in my family other than my cousin who's, I don't think she's got a chance, as I said, of, of, of entering the kingdom because of her Sicilian father. But, uh, she understands it completely, and I don't understand. I don't get that one either.
0: And that's amazing, but I, I don't get it either. So that's the way it is.
2: And as I said, I have certain individuals that I've worked with and and, and still do. I got that one one mixed breed technician out at the Navy school. He's a,
0: well, right, but just because he's a capable lab technician doesn't mean that he has the qualities necessary to build the kingdom of God, right? There's oh no, a... I
2: would never put him in that category. But then you have, you know, other people that, that aren't capable, who are supposed to be part of the the uh, kingdom that aren't capable of doing much of anything, even though they're filling that same position.
0: Right, but but um,
2: <laughs> that's the
0: that's the story of of most of society now. Most of the people in in but most of our our race, we have the best educations that the Jews can 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 supply us with, right?
2: Oh yeah, the education system is a disaster,
0: and and the ethics are a disaster. Our work ethic is shot. As a race, we uh, I mean, our great grandfathers would hate us all, and and think that we're all lazy bastards. Oh
2: yeah, absolutely. You,
7: you know, Bill, uh, I'm sorry, about Let me just mention, you know, back in the '30s. You know, when people lost their jobs, I mean, there are men brought to tears because of that. They didn't want to go on welfare.
2: My grandfather yeah. talked, talked about working the brick line in Philadelphia, and he said, uh, you know, the uh, and I, I imagine they were probably Jew bosses when they were building some of those buildings in there. Uh, he said that they just go along, and just to uh, make everybody uh, understand that who was boss, they just periodically just fire a couple people, and you have to come back and try to get hired to, next week. But it was just random. they just pick some people out and say, you're fired today. Bye. Get out of here. That's how he lived through the 30s.
0: Seems to me like a bunch of Jew bosses,
2: right? <laughs> it sure sounds like it. Who had the money to build buildings in the 30s? Right. You no, know, it probably had to be. I mean, he didn't know it. He he never understood the, the Jewish issue.
0: Well, the 30s were very instrumental in the Jewish takeover of our
2: society. Yeah, I I still think we're kind of probably operating under that that uh, War Powers Act and everything, where the Jews basically stole the entire economy by 34, I think it was 34, 35, the Gold Act.
0: No doubt, they still control it,
2: okay. and that's why they're, they're,
0: that's and and we don't see it because we don't suspect them of doing it. Christians would never suspect anybody, a whole race of people, of being so criminal, but when when they um. In, in all of their business dealings, they favor only their own kind. And, and w- while at the same time they're talking out of their other side of their mouth, saying that it's not right for, for people to discriminate. So, so in the 30s, when, when when the banks pulled the plug on the economy, the only people that could get loans to, to create corporations and to build companies were Jews. Yeah, loans free. It, it was the true. same way in Weimar, Germany. And it's been that way here ever since. A, a white man's going to struggle to do anything in this society, and and the Jew's going to have no problem, because it's it's all of his kindred who are operating the banks, and the um, and the supply houses.
2: That's well, the way it is. If you looked at the businesses that survived in the '90s and the ones that caved, uh, and and it was almost always because of debt. The the ones that that didn't cave were always Jew-owned, right? That's why they
0: hated Henry Ford because Henry Ford wouldn't borrow money from them, and, and that was why Ford managed to hold on to his company because he wouldn't borrow money from them.
3: Well, they the
2: banks, hate that. Well, like the banks do that. They can't stand it if you buy anything cash. They want you to borrow money. And in this society, it's really tough because everything is inflated due to the fact that you can borrow money. So it's like a catch-22.
0: Well, the Jews are so prominent. And the Jews are are so successful in our society for one reason. Because in 1913, we gave the Jews the license to make all our money. But by 1929, they were the only ones that had any money. France, Russia, Germany, all over
2: again. Yeah, this is a replay of everything, but it's going to be a worldwide... Well,
0: that's our punishment. That's our punishment for worshipping the idols of the Jews... When they came over here and they set up vaudeville and they set up Hollywood, well, really, they took over Hollywood, and, and they, they set up all of their little idols throughout our nation, that their sports figures and all the other distractions, they set up, we bought hook, line, and sinker, that their magazines, their entertainments, and, and now this is our punishment for it. It's just like ancient Palestine. The Canaanites set up the idols. The children of Israel worship the idols. Who gets punished for it? The children of Israel. The same thing with 20th century, 19th century America. The Canaanites come in. They set up their idols. The children of Israel worship the idols. Sure, they're called different names now. They're not called idols and gods anymore. Now they're called Stars and starlets, children of Israel worship them. who's getting punished for it? The children of Israel. That's the way it is. We still haven't learned the same exact pattern.
2: Well, they're really training kids well because I don't think theres a, I don't think there's an actor or actress in on Disney or Nickelodeon that's not a Jew. Quite amazing.
0: But it's the worship of, of the Canaanites all over again, Robert. It's the same damn thing.
1: Three thousand years
0: later. Hey, it still works. Yes it does. It's like taking candy from a baby. Yes it is. Same,
1: same perversion.
0: And we wonder why we're punished. Oh, they're good people. Why why are we suffering? We're good people. No we're not, because we we we've forsaken our kin, we've forsaken our brethren so that we could go and and gamble in casinos. And, and um, like John's sister went gambling in casinos what, with the money that she had, and instead of looking out for her kinsmen with the money she had, so now she, she's suffering, broken in debt.
1: Oh, um, I'm miss she, that part.
0: She, but Well, that's it's the that's the pattern. So now our nation, because we we said to hell with our brother and we went and worshipped the Jewish idols and spent all our money on them, now we suffer the consequences. Want to give niggers five million dollars a year to run up and down a, f- a field with the ball, and and you want to buy those tickets to that Jets game, and you want to buy those Nike sneakers that they, they support that that they give Tiger Woods, they give that nigger fifty million dollars for endorsements, and you go buy his sneakers, you you should probably be um, you should probably fall on your face with those sneakers
2: on. You know I don't want to buy any of that stuff. I just want to buy those pants that fall off. And, and coke and pepsi and all that other crap that people buy
0: and all that money goes straight to niggers to run up and down the field with a ball or at least a big portion of it pure idolatry our entire society is caught up in it
7: well well i mean carrying this further uh this uh, the people who think that you know just because they paid another worker or another one who, let's say, constructed the building in which they work in to make a business, they already pay them, and therefore they don't owe them anything. Whereas I tell them, you owe that person, everybody owes everybody, even if you paid them. Because if there are still one, you know, white workers out there, and they're willing to work, and they will work, but they don't make a livable wage, then how can you say that, that this is a fair society? I mean, especially if they don't possess the gifts you have, you know there's a there's a passage in James. It's a passage
0: in the Epistle of James. It talks about the wealthy man and and says that he was wealthy because he withheld a fair wage from his employees. I gotta find this passage. It might take me a few minutes.
2: Is there one like uh, woe to those who don't pay the worker? I mean that's what's going on today. All the all the all the people who do all the productive stuff in society are really not getting paid much. And
0: here we go. It's James chapter five, right? Come on now, now, now this is my translation, right? Come on, those who are wealthy now weep crying out upon your coming hardships. Your wealth is putrefied and your garments have become moth-eating. In other words, if you're a wealthy man, your wealth is not going to do you any good, right? Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion shall be for a testimony to you and it shall eat your flesh as fire. And in other words, if you're a Christian, you really shouldn't have a lot of gold or silver, right? You should have shared it with your kin and your brethren. You have saved up for the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers reaping your fields, which had been withheld by you, cry out. In other words, if you're wealthy, you have not taken care of your employees to the extent that you should have. That's what James is saying. James 5.4. Behold, the wages of the laborers reaping your fields, which had been withheld by you, cry out. In other words, if you have people working for you and you're a wealthy man, yet that, then you haven't um, done the right thing. That's what James is saying. Give them a little well, more and, and you'll have a little less, but but you'll be doing better by your people.
7: Well, this crying out, is that the workers crying out?
0: No, it's the wages crying out as a testimony, right? Uh, I see.
7: That's he, He's more.
0: speaking very allegorically, John. Go we'll read James chapter 5, the epistle of James chapter 5.
7: Well, uh,
1: <laughs> well, it's rare to find it's rare to find any middle class white Americans that really have very many employees anymore. But
0: well they're all all of those companies were put out of business by the damn Jews, <laughs> they bought them all up in into agribusinesses and and conglomerate, industrial conglomerates. Look at the car industry. A hundred years ago, there were probably fifty automobile
2: manufacturers, maybe a hundred automobile manufacturers. Look at the crap I had to put up with my small company. Yeah, I hire I hire, hire one guy that's out of work on a 1099, and then I got end up in court. Right, on a 1099, that's friggin' incredible.
0: I could never. Um, I could never. I've done contract work, and I can't imagine suing my employer for unemployment. It was a contract job. I can't
2: imagine that for one minute. <laughs> well, you that, think I'm ever going to talk to him me. again? That's incredible. Yeah, he I, I doesn't have any moral values. Why should I? Why should I ever discuss anything with this big creep?
0: Well, well, right. You shouldn't. He he really well, right. He he basically stole the money off you, taking you to court. But when he probably would have been um hired by you again someday for something
2: else, right? Yeah, or, or got, whatever. We never got. You know, it, it's really interesting too because I I look at we're we're still waiting for money to come in. And where uh, you know he gets his he gets his money through the court system. Our contract never came out the end of last year, and so the rest of us haven't been paid for a couple months. yet. but but you know he goes to court and he gets he, he gets his pay. It's just it freaking amazes me. I worked
0: on a 1099 for Rom um, for about a year and a half before I went to prison. I worked for three or four different companies, and, and um, I wouldn't imagine suing them for unemployment, that, that wouldn't, I, I wouldn't even, the thought wouldn't cross my mind.
7: That's crazy. Well, Bob, uh, Bob this guy uh, worked um, uh, just as a contract job, and once it was fulfilled, he got paid, and then he sued you for unemployment after that?
2: He was hired while I was on vacation, and we were there was a potential of making him a permanent employee had we gotten a contract that we didn't get. Um. However, he was hired in the, knowing he was a 1099 individual consultant, and he basically even defined his own hours, and he could come here or use his tools or whatever he needed to do because it was for working on some circuit boards. He finishes. We tell him, you know, we didn't get the contract. I'm back. It's over. Next thing we know, we get a letter from unemployment saying that he was a permanent employee of the company and that we owe him unemployment now. It was so Well, that's a lie. Well, it was a lie, but the way the unemployment laws are written today, he has more rights than I did as an employer. And I mean, we're a really small company. I mean, typically it's only, you know, 3 of us working at any one time. So, so it is. I learned my lesson
0: on that one. But well, I think I remember reading when I was in prison that that um Microsoft and and Hewlett-Packard, I think, too, were doing it. Most of their coders were were on 1099s, and they weren't paying them any benefits, and they weren't paying them any any unemployment, any health insurance, anything like that. And and there was an outlash against that, and I think that's probably when they passed some of those laws. And and the typical, you know, you, you being a small company probably got caught up in those laws that were really... Passed to prevent companies like Microsoft from taking advantage of immigrants, which is what they were doing, that they were hiring these immigrants, getting these people brought into the country on, on H-1B visas, and then they were only hiring them as contractors so that they didn't have to give them any, um, any benefits or anything.
2: Well, there were certain companies that worked under that premise anyhow. And that, that's unfortunate because I, I did know a few companies that basically said, look, we pay you as you work. We're going to give you a high wage, but you're responsible for everything else because we don't want to deal with all the paperwork. Well, those companies are out of business now.
3: But, well,
0: right,
2: and, and that's who the, those laws were aimed at, and your company just got caught up in it. Well, mine wasn't particularly aimed at that. We were, we, all we were trying to do was get someone to cover for vacation. and get. Well, to-
0: right, that, that's was- what I mean. Your company was innocently caught up in that. But the, the backlash, the reason why those laws were passed were because of the
2: larger, you know, companies like Bill Gates. Yeah, but I think it, I think it's the other way around, like you normally say, is that this was pre-planned. Yeah, to, to,
0: to screw middle-class
2: companies, right? Absolutely. They knew exactly what the result was going to be, that Bill Gates could care less. Right. He'll just end up hiring his programmers for less money and then, you know, giving them unemployment, so he doesn't really care.
0: Well, before I went to prison, I worked for, um, well, well for, first I, I was a, a, a technology manager for a manufacturing company for four years, right, from 93 to 96, and I was consulting for them even before I left my government job, and and um, I went right to work for them full time, and, and I had about a year between time that i left that company and the time i went to prison and i worked it on 1099s for four different companies and and i enjoyed that year that that working like that was great making my own hours showing up when i wanted to And, and that was that was absolutely the best year i ever worked i think as long as you have a work ethic and you can handle that freedom but yeah that i would never dream of suing any of them for unemployment that would have been crazy that's totally contrary to the spirit of, of, of my working relationship with him. Well, he's on my list anyhow now. Oh, I'm sure. Well, you're basically ho- told that you can't hire a temporary employee. Oh, even when you true can't true. afford to hire a, a, a full-time employee, you can't hire a temporary employee. It's crazy. You,
2: you, no, you can only hire
0: true. somebody you want to marry.
2: Yep, absolutely. Which, what's interesting, too, is that it, you know, it didn't even require a vesting, which is usually case with a large company, so I don't know how they get away with that. Most large companies can get rid of you without any unemployment for up to one year. I, I don't know. Maybe you should have appealed it. I, I don't know. We did. We lost. Oh. Just, uh, Tom had to go to court. he was He was totally pissed off because it wasted his time in court over someone who was clearly out to sit at home and do nothing like he had done for a whole year before that. Anyhow, he's not the person I knew when I worked with him back in the 80s. No, he has that Chinese girlfriend and he drinks
0: too much. Yep. Well, next time you'll know, never hire a guy with a Chinese girlfriend
2: that drinks.
3: <laughs> there
2: you go. Tammy says she can't hear me. Can anybody else hear me? I can hear you fine. Maybe she has my volume turned down.
0: Tammy, you could turn the volume up for him alone by right-clicking on his name. And, and you'll see a volume adjustment option on the menu. And, and you could adjust the volume for everybody here individually. But we got to have more than this. I mean, it's only I mean, been two hours.
2: I did have a question on, um, and, I, and this may be something that you've already answered, so you can just yell at me. But um, in Revelation, the last chapter you went over, talks about the ten kings. And I've always heard that that's actually... Select kings, and you were saying that that's not the case. Um, the last chapter I went over was Revelation chapter twelve. Oh, maybe it was the one before that. Where's the ten kings? Uh,
0: no, I, I had mentioned Daniel and the ten kings, and said that I was going to talk about that at length
2: next week. Oh, uh, maybe that's where I heard it because I was kind of drifting off to sleep. All right. So
0: you'll not, just not have true. to. Yeah, you'll just have to wait for oh. Revelation chapter thirteen, right? Not necessarily that your talks make me drift off to sleep, but it was, it well, it, it mentioned so. the dragon with the ten horns, right? And and the seven yeah. heads and the ten horns. It, it did mention them, but they're explained in depth in in um in Daniel and in Revelation 13. So I withheld conversation of them until then. Okay, but it's it connects the the um the powers behind earthly governments with the serpent of the garden. Uh, I mean, that's the point I wanted to make. In other words, the Jews are the serpent, right? The, the Jewish money power is the power behind all of our earthly governments, and, and they're connected to the serpent,
2: right there in Revelation chapter 12. Well, that's another thing I never understood till we did to the CI came along. Is you can clearly see that. Well, actually, once you figure out who the Jew is, you can clearly see who the serpent is today. There's Not even a question. Couldn't be. There's a lot of people that still deny it. It's incredible. <laughs>
0: I don't get yeah, you know, once you see two seed line, it's so evident it it you, you feel like how 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 doesn't everybody not see it?
2: <laughs> I, it actually, remember the, remember the fellow I was telling you I went to lunch with on Sunday who's kinda of surprising me now? Yes. He he uh he uh is asking more and more questions but but I told him matter of factly, I said, you know, there is no way I can make you see this. In fact, if I took myself and interviewed, had, a, had my younger self here and interviewed me 20 years ago with a, the with a, a same. Right, de- you'd be I denying have. yourself. There is no way. I would think that I would have to send myself to a mental institute. <laughs> it's absolutely true. Because
0: you know, that's a, a very good analogy.
2: My, my, like my, that. The attitude I have today is so completely foreign from where I came from. You know, that's another thing, too, Bill, that I don't quite understand. When somebody witnesses such a radical change and um, can't see that, you know, this person is never going to go back to the way they were, it's just, it's impossible. They don't understand that at all. There's no way, there's no way you can go back the other direction. The door's been open.
0: Well, I understand that. I I mean, that's the way it is. I would
1: I can only agree with you.
2: Kind of fascinating.
1: Yeah, receiving the full blow of that is a uh, the only benediction you're not going to find that in a church. that's for damn.
2: No, I was born again, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: I, I, you know, I, I ran into some fellow on a Home Depot a Sunday. And, uh, started, he walked up to me and said, "You know, we got a a black man in the White House." And I said, yeah. I, I gave him the whole ASCII message, you know, and uh. He just didn't want me to leave. And Bruce, you're cutting me. out
0: a little. You're, you're cutting out a little, Bruce.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. He ended up saying, uh, "Well, you know, uh, I know some black people that are they're they're pretty nice folks." And I said, "Well, you know, go ahead and embrace them. If you know, if you love them, if you, if you love niggers, you know, that's your prerogative. But uh, I'd recommend not." <laughs> and uh, you know, it's just every. Everybody's got their little sympathy card they want to pull out, but that little sympathy card is, uh, I don't know, Yahshua is a very powerful king. He's a real king, you know, and uh, he's not just some wimpy little, he means business, and uh, his, uh, his character is just like has no relationship with what we know as love in the worldly sense. It, it's, there's no relationship with it. And uh, it's a hard, it's a hard fact to come to the, you know, to find out that we, maybe we don't love anybody and begin there, you know, to see actually not to pretend, stop being a pretender. Jews love pretenders, I guess, because they're the great pretenders. But this fellow, he just kept coming back, and there was a nigger working there, and I didn't, care. I don't care, I'm not talking to him, but I'm sure he overheard, but. Sure, he walked. He really walked away uh, um, with some questions about the Jews.
0: Well, Bruce, you plant the seed, right? And, and you 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 don't know when or if it's going to take root. Yeah. Or you'll make and it to grow or you won't. Yeah. It's
3: and it works. It,
1: it works the same way for the wrongdoers and the sinners. Like um, I encountered a faggot one day, and who was trying to justify himself being a faggot. And I told him, I said, "Will you take your?" your dilly-wagger and put it in a, uh, a septic tank and wish it around, uh, you think you're going to be all right. And uh, yeah, that's not natural to do that against the Almighty. And I saw him a couple weeks later, and he's about dead. So it works, you know, both ways, either blessing or cursing. You know, the goodness and severity of Yahweh, so.
0: Okay, that's it. I'm going to end this program. And thank you, everybody, for being here. And we could head down to open house. We don't have to leave, but thank you guys. Thanks, Robert, Bruce, at everybody, Municher, everybody. Bill. Praise Yahweh.